Hello looters, welcome to the movie loot. This is special episode number 16 of the movie loot, the special episodes that come out every other month, where the loot is a specific scene I love from a film I love. I take that scene, break it apart, analyze it, see why it works. If this is the first of the special episodes that you listen to, where the heck have you been? We've done a good bunch on scenes from films like Pulp Fiction, Psycho, Alien, Die Hard. Our latest one was on a scene from Goodwill Hunting, that incredibly moving scene between Robin Williams and Matt Damon sitting on a park bench, so check any of those out. This time, I'm tackling a scene from one of my big, big favorites. I mean, all of those are favorites, but this one is top of the line, and it's a scene from The Godfather, the original. I already did one of these for a scene from The Godfather Part 2, which is arguably my favorite scene from anything, but now I want to get into a scene I really love from the first one, and it's the attempt against Vito Corleone at the hospital. Now be warned, like all my special episodes, this will be an in-depth discussion, so the film will be spoiled. If you still haven't seen The Godfather, where the heck have you been? Prioritize that, damn it, and then come back and listen to this. As of now, The Godfather is streaming free on Peacock Premium and DirecTV, but it's also available for rent on most streaming platforms. So let's begin. Trying not to be careless. Never tell anybody outside the family what you're thinking you're getting. Women and children can be careless, but not men. So to set things up, The Godfather is an American crime film released in 1972. It is based in Mario Puzo's best-selling novel, and Puzo co-wrote the script with Francis Ford Coppola, who also directed the film. The film became a huge hit, both critically and commercially. It was the highest-grossing film of 1972, and it initially earned 11 nominations at the Oscars, of which it won three. 
including Best Picture. The film basically follows the powerful Corleone family as we see the fall of patriarch Vito Corleone, played by Marlon Brando, and the subsequent rise of his son, Michael, played by Al Pacino, as head of the mafia. The thing is that Vito, who is supposed to be in his 60s, is starting to be seen as weak by other mafia bosses. This is highlighted by his reluctance to get into the drug business, which leads to an attempt on his life that puts him in the hospital. As his sons scramble to keep the business running, keep things under control, Michael goes to visit his father at the hospital just when a second attempt is about to be carried out. And that's the scene I want to talk about today. So to analyze that scene, I'm going to talk about four things. Number one, the setup. The main setup is what I already mentioned. Vito Corleone is in the hospital after an unsuccessful attempt on his life and his son Michael arrives late to visit him. But the main thing that we have to talk about here is who Michael was up to this point and what was his role or involvement or lack of in the quote-unquote family business. From the beginning, Michael is portrayed as an outsider to his family. He's a war veteran, a hero, he has nothing to do with crime, and he says as much to his girlfriend Kate in the opening wedding. Luca Brazzi held a gun to his head, and my father assured him that either his brains or his signature would be on a contract. That's a true story. That's my family, kid. It's not me. And Coppola does a lot of little things to highlight how disconnected he is from the reality of his family. He gets late to the wedding in the opening scene, to the point that Vito refuses to do the family picture without him. He's wearing his uniform while everyone else is wearing tuxedos. He's sitting outside eating with Kate while we see his brother Sonny with his father in the office doing business. So we get this idea that he's not with the family. And I think the family picture thing is a nice analogy to this. But another thing that Coppola does is that after the wedding, he pretty much pushes Michael out of the film for, I think it's 40 minutes. When the first attempt against Vito is carried out, Michael is in New York with Kate buying Christmas presents. And he even finds out about the attempt by the newspaper. Also, I think this scene where you see him walking out of the store with Kate, I think it's the only time we see Michael actually smiling. Really smiling because this is the most separated he's been from his family in a peaceful environment up to this point. But anyway, he calls the house and they tell him what has happened, which plucks him out of this happy place, so to speak, and forces him to where he's arguably fated to be. And this leads me to my second point, which is the first moment in the scene I'm talking about, and that is Michael's arrival at the hospital. One thing that I want to mention, what is it with hospitals at night in movies? It's like they're the place of nightmares. I mean, I've stayed at hospitals numerous times, and they're never as deserted and empty as they show them to be in films. But obviously, this is done for ambience and plot convenience and whatnot. The thing is that Michael arrives at this hospital, and from the beginning, he notices something's not right. He stands outside for a moment, looking around, because there are no guards outside. He walks to a reception desk, and there's no one around. He enters an office room, and there's no one around. And a couple of things that Coppola does to start heightening the tension is that in this office, there's a record player skipping, which adds to the sense that something's not right. There's a close-up at the half-eaten sandwich left on the desk. Everything is telling Michael that something's afoot. 
This is the moment of rush as he runs to his father's room and all the time Coppola uses a lot of wide shots and long distance shots to highlight the emptiness of the hospital while also boxing Michael within certain frames, walls and other structures. He's essentially trapped now. When he walks up the stairs, there's yet another seat where a guard was supposed to be, but there's no one there. And there's an interesting moment here as he stands outside the closed door. I don't want to say hesitating, but he's preparing for what he might find inside, whether it is his father dead or someone waiting on him. But as the door opens, we see that his father is alive. And there's this little jump scare here when the nurse pops in out of nowhere. What are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here now. I'm Michael Corleone. This is my father. There's nobody here. What happened to the guards? Your father just had too many visitors. They interfered with hospital service. The police made them leave about 10 minutes ago. Uh, get me a Long Beach 45620, please. Nurse, wait a minute. Stay here. Sonny, Michael, I'm at the hospital. Listen, I got here late. There's nobody here. Nobody. No, no, no. Tessio's men, no detectives, nobody. Papa's all alone. I won't panic. I'm sorry, but you will have to leave. Uh, you and I are gonna move, move my father to another room. Now, can you disconnect those two so we can move the bed out? That's out of the question. You know my father. Men are coming here to kill him. You understand? Now help me, please. Which leads me to my third point, and the second moment in the scene, and that is the preparations. As the nurse walks in, Michael asks about the guards, and she tells him how the police made them leave because they were, quote, interfering with hospital service, end quote. And this is a defining moment for Michael when he shows he was truly prepared to be the next Don. How quick he is to think on his feet and make the decisions that needed to be made on the fly to protect his father. So he calls Tom, but also keeps the nurse close by. And I love the little acting moments here between Michael and the nurse, the way he talks to her, direct and firm, the way he starts looking at the door to see if the bed might fit through. Again, this is him thinking on his feet, and it's a great display of Pacino's talents. Plus, you gotta love the little spoilery bit from him throwing Tessie's name, a bit of a foreshadow of who was the one that betrayed the family in the end. After they move Beto's bed to another room, there's a great moment of tension as Michael waits behind a door, and I love the close-up shot of him against the frame of the door with the half of his face visible, and we can hear the steps of someone approaching. This is some great tension build-up since we're all expecting some killer or killers to come, and Coppola takes his time to reveal who the man is, and it just creeps up as you hear the footsteps and you see this man walking down these empty hallways. It's such great direction. And then the twist is that the man is just Enzo, the baker, a family friend who had come to visit the Don. But it's such a brilliant choice because it ties to what we saw in the opening scene with Enzo's father-in-law asking favors from the Don and the way all these families are all connected and are in debt with each other. It's so good. Who are you? I am Enzo, the baker. Do you remember me? Enzo. Yes, Enzo. You better get out of here, Enzo. There's going to be trouble. If there is trouble, I stay here to help you. For your father. For your father. All right. Listen. Wait for me outside in front of the hospital. All right? 
I'll be out in a minute. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. So once again, Michael thinks on his feet and tells Enzo to wait for him outside as he walks in with his father. And this is a key moment as we see him approach his father and tell him, I'm with you now. Which is such a moment of tragic foreboding because you know this is a moment when his fate is decided. A lot of people say it was shooting Soloso and McCloskey at the diner later or the scene before that where he's at the house and pretty much plans the whole shootout. But to me, this is it. This is the moment when he truly takes on the mantle and the score even tells you so as you hear the Godfather team amps up a bit as he kisses his father's hand. Again, a key gesture that hints at his loyalty to his father or moreover, his father's business. I'm with you now. And Vito knows, because Vito gives him a faint smile, but you can also see he's crying. So there's this clash from Vito as to what he wanted for his son and what he needed from his son. Which comes back again in that great scene they have at the backyard. I never wanted this for you. So it's such a great moment. But then as he walks out, we're led into the fourth and last point I want to bring, and that is the actual attempt, or failed attempt. So after this little moment between Beto and Michael, he walks out and meets with Enzo again. Get rid of these. Come here. Put your hand in your pocket like you have a gun. You'll be all right. So once again, this is Michael thinking on his feet. He gets rid of the flowers Enzo brought, raises his collar, tells him to stick his hands on his pockets, all to make Enzo look tough, as he does the same also. And this is yet another great moment of tension as they hear a car approach. And this is all Coppola's direction, as he moves from Michael and Enzo's face, who's holding up marvelously, to the shadowy car approaching, to a close-up on Michael's hands as he pretends to open his coat to get a gun, as the potential killers decide, hmm, not worth it, and drive away, making us and Enzo <sighs> sigh in relief. And this is another great moment, because as soon as the car drives away, Michael tells Enzo, you did good. You did good. But Enzo is a wreck. Quickly pulls out a cigarette and he's shaking and can't even light it up. So Michael takes his lighter and turns it on in one try. His hands calm as a clam. And Michael even looks at his hands as if he can't believe it. But again, it is a foreshadowing of what's to come. Even though one can argue he's a war veteran, he knows how to keep calm under stress, but we all know it's a hint that as much as he didn't want it, he was destined to do this. 
So those are my thoughts on that excellent scene from The Godfather. A perfect showcase of great writing, direction, editing, acting, music, cinematography, everything. As it shows what I think is the crucial moment when Michael truly becomes the Don. This is also my favorite scene from the film probably, and my second favorite from the franchise. My favorite would be Michael and Fredo's scene in The Godfather Part 2, which like I told you, I've also done a special episode on, so if you haven't listened to it, check it out. But anyway, as usual, I asked my friends on Twitter to share their thoughts on The Godfather, favorite scenes, anything, and this is what I got. My friend Phil Sagan said, What I love about this masterpiece is how it tricks you into adoring a murderous criminal slash terrible father and makes you root for the corruption of his son, who was the one good thing his legacy produced. And I agree, because as tragic as it is, you want Michael to take up this mantle. You want him to follow in his father's footsteps, as murderous and corrupted as they are. And one can say that our rooting for an evil man is because he's having to deal with evil er men, but I think it's just marvelous, right? Seth Vargas at Oseti said, I love the last minute additions like the cat or the cannoli line. The character of Tom is played perfection by Duval and in a stacked ensemble, he's my favorite. Mine too. Uh, he, he's probably my second favorite after Michael in terms of performance. But those are some great mentions also. What Seth mentions, the cat that Vito has on his lap in the opening scene and which has become such an icon of these gangster figures was a stray cat that Coppola found around the studio. He said, quote, I saw the cat running around the studio studio and took it and put it in his hands without a word, end quote. And yet, it features in the poster and, like I said, has become an icon of this kind of characters. The cannoli line, leave the gun, take the cannoli, was improvised, but it plays neatly into the whole aspect of letting family matters seep into the family business, which happens a lot in these films, and is contrasted by Michael's frequent quote, it's not personal, it's strictly business. Finally, J.C. Smith at Cliche underscore Mist said, My favorite scene is in the hospital, and I love the character of the nurse who helps Michael move his father. So, J.C., if you've listened this far, you can probably say that I heartily agree with you. As for the nurse, she was played by Carol Morley, an actress that didn't have a lot of credits. The last thing she appeared on was an episode of Law & Order Criminal Intent in 2003. So, thanks to everybody for sharing their thoughts. If you want to listen to more thoughts on The Godfather as a whole, other than just a scene, you can check out an episode I recorded on Sonic Cinema with Brian Scottle. I was a guest and we talk about the film at length. And you can also check out an episode I did on Silver Screeners with Frank Mendoza, where we also talk a lot about the film. I will probably include those in the show notes, so make sure you check them out. And speaking of Frank, stay tuned for our next episode. We, we have a bonus episode that might drop before or after this one, but we also have the February loot coming up where Frank will be a guest and we will talk about the films we saw in February. We also have an Oscars episode coming up as well and a lot more stuff on the pipeline. Finally, if you like this breakdown and have any thoughts to share, look me up on Twitter at my personal account at TFCGT or the podcast account at TMML2021. We always love getting feedback from people. Let us know what you thought of the episode, but also share it with others so more people can join us in the loot. Tell them this is a podcast they can't refuse. <laughs>